Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of this podcast series where we turn our attention to client stories. My name is Daniel Newman, Principal Analyst and Founding Partner of Futurum Research, and I will be your host today. I'm excited for this episode where we will be talking to Inga O'Priel, CIO of Ferris, and Kevin DeVilde of Capgemini about the challenges, opportunities, and key digital transformation considerations for companies in the utilities and energy space. This discussion provides listeners with a unique look at the work being done by Ferris and Capgemini and also a broad perspective of how to successfully drive change in their organizations from people and culture to technology and innovation. Without further ado, let's welcome our guests. Kevin, Inge, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. A very important topic discussing not only the uh, digital transformation in your industry, but so many uh, challenges that are being faced universally by businesses around the globe. So I'm very excited to gain your insights and hear a little bit about what your organization is working on. But before we do that, I would love to just have a quick introduction of each of you. Inge, uh, if you don't mind, please, an introduction. Hi, all. I'm Inge Opriel, CIO at Faris. I have over 20 years of experience in the utility sector. At Faris, I am responsible for the digital transformation and also the collaboration within the Flemish water sector on innovative digital transformation. Great. And Kevin? Hi, I'm Kevin de Wilde from Capgemini, Belgium. I've been around the utility sector for uh, a bit over 15 years now. Currently, the utility sector expert for Belgium and a trusted advisor of some of the Belgian utilities companies, mostly in the water sector. Excellent. It's great to have both of you here. It's nice to, to be able to have both, you know, Kevin, you as an industry partner to Ferris, and then, of course, Inge, who is working directly on facing these challenges head on. I'd love to start off, Inge, and I'd like to start with you here, talking just a little bit about what you're seeing as some of the biggest industry trends in energy and utilities today. Well, how I see it, we are experiencing here many changes right now in the energy and utility sector. Not only are there a lot of new regulations coming into force, but we do have the climate change that has um, woken up government, people, customers. So we see that uh, the changes we are facing right now are focused on renewable energy, decentralized energy, water production, circular economy. Only a while ago in Flanders, for example, there has been a big, what we call the Blue Deal, which is specific investment plans on enforcing integrated water management. When you look at energy sector, you see there as well, the local production of, for example, electricity is really putting a challenge into the distributors of electricity, how to cope with those local production and still keep their networks sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a significant number of challenges. Heard a lot recently of discussion, of course, on climate change. As the political landscape heats up, we're also hearing quite a bit about the circular economy 
and the opportunity for businesses to play a bigger role and participate in a bigger way in terms of of really helping us overcome these these challenges. Kevin, you of course work with various, but you work across the industry with companies in the country. Are there any other things you're seeing in this particular sector that would be worth pointing out at this time? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I have to absolutely agree with Inge as well. Push from legislation towards more renewable sources of energy, and that's both in water and in traditional electricity and gas utilities is one of the main drivers at this moment. But next to that, I I think there's also a big push from the business itself, particularly in in the retail sector, where you have a very fierce competition between different retailers, old ones and and new ones emerging. And they typically have a need for very lean and efficient systems, uh, cost efficient as well, yet still very flexible to be able to act very quickly in the market. And then, of course, there are a number of technology drivers as well that are changing the, the industry at the moment. There's a lot of technical advancement in IoT, for example. Uh, so you see new business cases arising. Uh, you see a push by technology to think outside of the box and to come up with new use cases, for example, using sensoring devices in the network or even at home, which then enable enhanced monitoring of the end-to-end value chain uh, and, the, and the network. Also use cases in security with the, the European uh, legislation on, uh, on network security and critical infrastructure. So IoT is really enabling that and, and also changing the sector. And then lastly, of course, many of the larger utilities, the, the established ones in Europe, are currently at the end of a, of a major cycle on their platforms. And they are looking to replace their core platforms with new solutions, which typically come with big IT projects uh, and also a big business change linked to that. So all in all, I think these are very exciting times in the industry sector at the moment. And uh, it's very exciting to work in that sector today. Kevin, you started to allude to some of the things I wanted to ask about next. So that was a great uh, transition. And you start talking about IoT and some of the technologies. Digital transformation as a whole is a really big topic. It's something that every business is facing. Prior to this year's global pandemic, companies were already under an immense amount of pressure to be able to transform, to invest in new technologies, to be able to adapt to changing customer needs and demands. So as you mentioned, for instance, data coming from IoT is, is one route to make this happen. Um, in a recent study we did, we had actually found that COVID really accelerated investment in cloud and big data. And, and you mentioned also security. But in the industry, and, and Inga, I'd like you to go first here. Where is digital transformation impacting your business the most in your industry the most? I'd, I'd love to hear both broadly and, of course, within Ferris. Well, I think if you look at it at the moment, I see a lot of uh, peers in my industry struggling to get a certain speed into digital transformation. This is you, as Kevin already said, that many companies are still looking into yeah, replacing their old legacy platforms and getting equipped with modern technology platforms to to start the real digital transformation with big data, with IoT. So you see that there are, in in the sector, there are companies with different speeds. 
those who already have made the jump to the new technology platforms and can now start building on top of that, and those who still have to start their path to replace them. And what you see also from that is that it, it opens also a way of collaboration, which in, let's say, a few years ago, you didn't see between utility companies as much as you do today. We are more reaching out for each other, trying to collaborate, uh, trying to set up new processes, new use cases, new services on big data IoT together and not separately. I think that's one of the really changing things I see in the industry sector. What I also see is that digital transformation and COVID has given it a boost. Also, COVID gave a lot of opportunities to digital transformation. What we saw, for example, is that the customers easily found their way through the digital commerce channel to to replace the complaints, order things. So I think the challenge now for the utilities industry is take the opportunity you have from COVID to keep on that digital path. What we also see is that some companies are ready to go into digital transformation and use cases, but we still see that not the technology platform is not on all aspects as it's mature as it should be. So that's something which also defines the pace you can make in digital transformation. Yeah, you make a lot of great points. Uh, the speed of change was forced to go faster. And as you suggested, so many companies were really in a position to have to turn the knob to move their digital projects more quickly. But concurrently, there were resource constraints. Revenues could be impacted. Now, the energy and utilities sector, Kevin, I imagine saw slightly different revenue impacts than, you know, say, an industry like a retail or manufacturing. But there was still stress and pressure as Every company looked to be more efficient, to be more cost conscious right now. How are you seeing digital transformation impact the industry? Yeah, I think, first of all, typically the energy sector, particularly the the regulated parts of the energy sector, are less susceptible to to changes in the economy for their revenue flow. So they have a a pretty stable revenue flow, uh, which for some companies in the past might have been a pitfall not to work lean enough and to to invest enough in uh, in a continuous improving landscape so i think particularly in in those regulated companies you see many companies that are now struggling to move to new systems because they have very heavy and and bulky infrastructure today and they're more or less stuck in in the old ways of working and old ways of doing business And I agree that the COVID crisis might have been an accelerator or an eye-opener even to some companies uh, to move to digital. They were forced to go digital. I'm sure many of them have have quickly implemented digital solutions on top of or next to their their current landscape. The challenge moving forward now for those companies will be to have a really integrated solution and, and a sustainable way of having that digital transformation in the future. And usually... Companies that want to go for a full digital transformation, they have they have one of two options today. Either you go for a greenfield approach where you completely reinvent your business processes and you, you reinvent your take on IT, 
which obviously gives the most possibilities to, to go agile in the future. Or you stick to a more of a brownfield approach where you try to convert your current landscape uh, and try to modernize your current landscape. Both ways might be possible to achieve a, a fully digital core and an agile system, but usually the companies that, that are able to achieve that agility, those will be the ones that will keep doing business in the future. They will be the ones that come up with new ideas that are able to implement new business uh, opportunities quickly. And basically, they will be able to continue transforming in the future. Because today we talk about a digital transformation. And probably over the next couple of years, we will be talking about a new kind of transformation and yet another way of doing business. So the way ahead is definitely an agile way of working, being on top of, of your IT in a, in a lean and cost-efficient way where you have your, your very stable core and then you can innovate and transform your business there where, where needed in your IT landscape. So let me ask you, Kevin, to build on that a little bit, um, because I want to pivot to exactly where you started going about the ability to be diverse and take advantage of opportunities. But I'd love to understand, what do you think it takes? What makes companies capable of being all those things that you just mentioned? I think first and foremost, it takes vision to do so. It takes a clear vision of where you want to go with both your business and your IT. There's nothing more difficult for an IT landscape or an IT manager than not knowing where your business wants to go. If your business vision is, is clear, then you can prepare your IT landscape for the business plan of the, the upcoming five years, for example. You can do the right investments upfront and you can always look ahead and you don't have to worry about the problems of today, but you can already start thinking about the problems of tomorrow and do the right investments that are always future-proof, always in line with the business roadmap, also with the product roadmaps of the systems that you are using. And then you can always be one step ahead, basically, of both your competition and also your in internal organizations. So I think by far the most important thing is having a clear vision of where you want to go so you can really act upon that vision and always keep looking ahead instead of having to focus on the issues of today and just solving what's right in front of your nose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Inge, you know, I'm about to pivot this conversation a little bit to talk about some of the work that Capgemini and Ferris has done together around SAP, around a digital core. But I would love to just hear your thoughts as a CIO on what do you think has been really a catalyst or an enabler within Ferris to help the company start making these moves in speeding up its digital transformation? Well, I think one of the biggest enablers is and will always be the people you have. I think. Faris has been able to have this speed that it has today because this is a company that is used to transformation. When I started working in this company over 20 years ago, it's unrecognizable where we stand now. We, we have always had working from a clear business vision. We always had transformations going on, setting up new activities, becoming a modern company. And it all has to do with, of course, this is now a DNA in our employees. 
our employees are not risk averse. There is not a big hierarchy. There are not silos in the company. Paris has always been a company that really worked on, on the end-to-end level through the company and was able, by doing that, to get through transformations. And digital transformation is one of the latest. What enabled it is, of course, a bit the DNA we have in the company, but also that we all, from the start in, in 20 years ago, when we started to become a modern company, we always worked, as Kevin also lighted as very important thing, starting from a business vision and a strong IT vision to support that, so that we can always, as IT, be one step ahead of the business projects that need to be executed. And that's important because then you get confidence from the business because they know if we want to do something, we don't get the answer. Oh, well, let's wait a year or two because we have to do a technical IT transformation before we can deliver something. So that's that's one of the key aspects at Faris that enables digital transformation. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned the people, Inge, because all the research I've done over the years have found that there's such a significant link between the people and the ability to adapt and adopt new technologies. I'd like to pivot here and have you talk a little bit about the digital core. Um, Ferris worked with Capgemini to really work on its own transformation, and it really started with uh, the 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 development of this digital core. Can you just introduce what it is and, and what this was, uh, what this project really sought to do? Well, the, the digital core for us was getting um, an uplift of our um, platform we had uh, until that moment that was really, let's say, ERP process-driven platform to get it to the, let's say, the newest version, really a technology platform where you have your digital core, which supports your business needs and enables you to quickly plug in other applications or other solutions you need to drive innovation. For example, to easy plug in a commerce cloud platform or easy plug in an IoT platform. So that was what digital core was for us. It was not about improving the internal processes in the big sense of the word, because we are we were a company that has constantly been working on efficiency and so on, but really shift our core to enable us to plug in new applications or to uh, enhance functionalities in our digital core. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot to it, to being able to react, respond, be proactive, make changes. Kevin, uh, you worked closely in this deal. What sort of drove, uh, you know, the digital core? I know... Uh, S4, SAP was a big part of it. Uh, I'd love to kind of hear how you worked together to make a, a smooth migration, meet Ferris's needs, you know, and, and of course, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about the importance of this partnership that exists between an SI and a vendor and a, and a user, in this case, Ferris. I think one of the key success factors in many of the projects we do at Faris is basically the long-lasting relationship we have with Faris. So we already know each other very well. We know the strengths and, and weaknesses of each other. And that all, always helps the interaction in, in any projects that we do, particularly for this, this upgrade to uh, the newest version of SAP and, and the digital core. We already had a, a history of successful upgrades of the previous versions of SAP. 
at Faris. So basically, we were not starting uh, from a blank piece of paper there. We, we had a, the basic script already in place uh, to do upgrades and to push upgrades through the landscape. And what we usually do is, is we prepare and we do the initial troubleshooting of such an upgrade on a separate sandbox system uh, so that uh, no ongoing developments are, are impacted. And that's definitely very important to do so when moving to a digital core and, and really innovating your backend system. Because that's usually where, where you find the issues and you have to do most work. So if you can prepare that already on a separate system, uh, that's very, very handy. And it also enables you to then do the upgrade through the, the real life landscape uh, a lot faster uh, afterwards. Now, this, uh, this upgrade of a, a full integrated utility company to the newest digital core version of SAP was basically a, a world leading exercise that we did. It's, it's fair to say that, uh, that we were the first in the world to do an upgrade of uh, a utility system plus a full ERP system plus a CRM system to the new digital core version. And that also required some interventions uh, of SAP themselves because this kind of complexity was, was not yet anticipated by SAP. And there, the, the second relationship, mainly that between SAP and Faris themselves, also comes into play. So as Inge can, can maybe explain uh, afterwards, Faris and SAP also have a very good uh, relationship and a close collaboration, which means that both we and Faris get direct access to the important people at, uh, at SAP that are able to help us quickly whenever there's an issue. And, uh, and that makes sure that Faris gets the right amount of attention when doing such a, a high-profile project for SAP, and I think one of the one of the lessons learned there is, even though some sometimes there's a clash between SAP and Faris or between us and Faris, but it's always important to keep talking and uh, and never burn bridges uh, in a relationship because in the end all contacts that you have and all relationships will always pay off. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point, and and Inge, I'm imagine in your role. This type of collaboration is commonplace, but maybe the size and level of collaboration is something that isn't done often. You know, I'd love to better understand a sort of how you see the importance of being able to work together, as Kevin mentioned, with SAP and with CAP. And I would also love to understand a little bit more about how you're starting to see the benefits in terms of these investments within Ferris? To give a bit of context, um, Ferris is a, a utility that is um, obliged to follow public tendering. And you can work in two ways, either or not you're obliged to public tendering. You can always go for, let's say, the one-stop shop for either applications or projects and, and try to get the best price but the vision of Faris always has been, we want good quality for the right price. I think that's the first thing you have to start with. And then from there on, you, if you want to be able to have speed and agility, you want long-term relationships so that you can predict future in projects, in resources, and that, the, for example, Capgemini knows what to expect from us in the next coming two or three years. Long-term relationship for me is also something about trusting each other, not blindly, of course, but there's also a lot of trust. And partnership only works when all parties get benefits out of it. It cannot be only 
giving or taking from one side. And this is the way we work together with SAP. We work together with Capgemini. And it's a bit like Kevin says, of course, you have disagreements, you have clashes. But if you keep talking and you keep the bridges open, no bridges burned. First of all, what does it benefit? First of all, the long-time collaboration with Capgemini has a huge benefit for us because we also have, let's say, the buy-in from Capgemini to keep the, the resources that know our company also available for our company. So sometimes there are Capgemini consultants who have a longer CV in working for Faris than some of our employees, which makes it very easy to explain things to Capgemini. Capgemini knows how we work, how we always work. And that's maybe one of the important things of Faris. Always look at the things in an end-to-end way. We never work in silos. So that makes it easy for us, like you're an employee, but you have people who know your business. And that's key, knowing your business. For SAP, it's a bit the same. From in the beginning, we try to build up a good relationship with SAP, where, of course, there have to be mutual benefits and for both of them, and build up a network within SAP. You keep looking at the future, you have the right information from SAP, maybe sometimes even inside information, so you make the right choices on technologies, on platforms, so that the choice you make, you are sure that it is future-proof, which is one of the important success factors of Faris having a future-proof platform. So many more reasons, but I think that partnership is also about knowing each other, being able to talk to each other and trust each other. That's a great, great set of points, Inge. And I, and I laughed and I smiled because you said future-proof and I actually wrote a book called Future Proof. So it felt like a nice little promotion for me. So thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. But uh, I'm about to wrap this up and it's been a great discussion just to hear about the whole company, the industry, the transformation. But I want to kind of circle back to something when we talked about what was enabling companies to transform quickly. And both of you alluded to people and technology. And so I'd love to have you, Inge, first talk about how the investments and enhancements have driven the transformation from an employee standpoint driving greater satisfaction, all the things that you sort of mentioned. And then, Kevin, I'll kick it back to you for sort of a last comment on how you see it overall, um, these investments helping companies in, in, in their entirety. But Inga, if you don't mind, I just, you know, you mentioned all the tech enhancements, but you talked about the, the people and the importance. Are the people at Ferries able to better perform their work? Are they more satisfied based on these investments and how it helps them do their jobs? I think people are satisfied uh, in generally if they see the benefit of what they are doing or what is the purpose of what they are doing. So thanks to the digital transformation projects we have gone through in the last years, it was also an enabler for younger people who had less experience in Faris to get involved in these projects and get the end-to-end view on 
What are the activities Faris is doing? How is Faris working? How do we interact with other divisions? How do other divisions interact? And maybe I will have to do a bit more effort. But if I see that the other division or department can save a lot of time or money or our customers are more satisfied by that, giving him them view that insight, that's the key to build employee engagement. What also is important is that it gives you kind of proudness, not a boasting proudness, but more a modest proudness of your employees. They know they are working in a modern company. They feel a bit proud when they go home and can say, for example, we are working with iPads for the field workers. There's also the fact that, for example, when COVID, it only took us 48 hours and everybody was able to work from home with the right support and devices. So that gave them a sense of proudness. And it also shows off broader than Faris. So I know finding the right employees and, and keeping the right employees is often quite difficult. But from my experience, when I search for people for IT, for example, or a business analyst, um, we have a a broad set of people who want to come and work for Faris because they see that it's a modern company, they are going forward, they have a certain pace. And I'm not talking only talking about IT, but also all the activities we are doing next to, let's say, water production and distribution. Um, so it attracts people. And there's always something exciting to do in Faris if you want to. So we have also a good retention of people. I think that is what transformation and digital transformation can do on greater employee engagement. Transparency, really getting transparency in, in the company. Translating so quickly and having so much depth to offer, I think some really valuable insights. As someone who spent a ton of time studying transformation, you are giving some great real world within the business examples. And I hope everybody out there that's listening is really getting a lot from that. Kevin, uh, we only have about a minute, but I'd love to just give you one, a chance to sort of circle back on those thoughts and across the industry, how tech enhancements are really driving um, employee engagement. And with that, then we'll wrap up. I think from, from Capgemini, we have a very clear vision of what a digital core should look like and what it can bring to our customers. If you keep the core clean and simple, and you do your investments in the right place and in the right tools around your core, then basically as a company, you can, can build a lot of speed and be very flexible in, in any needs that arise. And, and I think that, that relates to what, what Inge says. If you work in a company that's always on the forefront of, uh, of innovation and technology, that is able to offer the newest tools to their customers or to their own employees, and you're able to go home or you're able to go to the pub and, and talk to your friends about the newest and greatest app that, uh, that the company you work for has released. Um, it gives a lot of pride uh, for the employees of a company. And ultimately, proud employees are happy employees. Happy employees are productive employees. And uh, it ultimately benefits uh, the company again in the end. 
Absolutely. And I, I think that's great. And Kevin, I know I put you on the spot. Big topic to end the show on. There's just been so many examples and thoughts, both getting the on the ground, uh, real world within the business from Inge. And Kevin, you, of course, with the broad industry perspective, working at Capgemini. But Inge and Kevin, I just want to thank you both for providing your insights, providing the experiences from within the walls of Ferris. Um, and I hope everybody out there really got a lot of value out of this podcast. So Kevin, Inge, thank you very much. Thank you. It has been great doing this. Thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure joining today. And with that, Ferris and Capgemini, uh, thank you both, uh, all your teams for the great work, the great example on all that's going on with the transformation, digital core and the business challenges, opportunities and investments. Hope you got a lot of value out of this conversation and this show. There will be more of these in the future, but for now, I've got to say goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. This is Designing Momentum, a podcast from Capgemini. Designing Momentum is a show about what it takes to build and maintain momentum in business. When the odds are against you, how do you forge your own path? Original ideas very rarely come from looking in the same place as you always look. So in this show, we'll be turning the spotlight in a different direction that you wouldn't necessarily think to look. Hosted by me, Frank Wammers, and with the help of Rachel Burford, International Women's Rugby World Cup winner, and experts in emerging technology and sport, we'll be exploring why what goes on in the boardroom isn't so different to what happens on the pitch. Make sure you subscribe now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.